0: Hey guys, welcome back to a special edition of Warrior Council Wednesday, guys. This is gonna be a great episode. If you ever, if you like vacationing, I love vacationing. This episode is for you. If you love military, if you ever wanted to get in, possibly even get into a franchise, you definitely want to listen to this episode. I want to thank, first of all, I want to thank thank the Warrior Council that you're sponsoring the show. If you guys are veterans. And ever wanted to own a company, you need to get in touch with the Warrior Council because they will help you make your business just keep it growing and growing and growing. Brother, what is going on? How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: Oh, I know we were playing phone tag for a little bit, but uh, thank God I we actually got to come on. Uh, Marshall recommends you a hundred percent. So any friend of Marshall is a friend of mine. Nice. So tell. Talk- us a little bit about you, where you come from, and where you grew up, and what kind of little kid were you?
1: What kind of little kid was I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was I was uh, born and raised in uh, Southern California, uh, you know, born and raised here, and, and uh, you know, grew up uh, in the area of Orange County all my life, and then, you know, of course, I went on to serve the, in the military uh, after high school, um, but yeah, when I was a kid, I guess I was the the one that was always dirty, getting into stuff. Uh, you know, getting injuries. I had, I had stitches here, here, here. So, <laughs> yeah, I was the rambunctious one. The Daredevil. now, were you, were you a big reader? Did you were you good in school? You know, honestly, I wasn't really good in uh, you know elementary school, junior high, high school. I I start. I was just kind of the class clown kind of thing. But uh, after uh, the military, I went on to get my bachelor's and uh, master's degree. And that's when I really focused on school and and became more of a analytical um, person. So
0: now when you were in high school, was the military something you've always wanted to do? Or is it just something like, hey, let me do this for something to do?
1: So fun fact, my both my parents were in the Marine Corps. uh, So I kind of grew up you know, my dad was, you know, always watching the, the Marine Corps movies, you know, full metal jacket and things like that. My mom was always talking about, you know, how much of a, an honor it, it would be to serve your country and things like that. As a uh, high school approached, we didn't have an ROTC on campus. So uh, I became the president of the military club. Um, and it was just all about, uh, you know, we w- would visit military bases and, Uh, the point of the club was to establish ROTC eventually, but it uh, never came about as far as I know. But uh, you know, that seed of, you know, wanting to go in was, was in me. Um, But after high school, I just kind of, it, it kind of fizzled. And I, I took a few years, uh, you know, working in the, in, you know, different odd odd jobs. Um, And then, and then uh, I think I was about 22 when I joined. Uh, That, you know, just came back to me, and I said, well, "Hey, whatever happened to that wanting to go into the military thing?" And uh, I ended up joining. Now, what branch did you serve? The army. So, how much shit did you catch for joining the army? <laughs> so, so that was my rebellious move. You know, both my per- uh, parents were Marines. Uh, you know, I just thought I'd stick it to them one last time and join the army.
0: Now, so, so it's, I love hearing everybody's recruiting stories. So talk, talk to me about being a 22 year old walking into recruiters. Tell me about your story. What, what, what job you took and why you took it?
1: Honestly, I, I took, you know, I took the job because it was what they were offering me at the time. And I had the most, the the high bonus. It was like 10 grand or something like that. Um, I wanted to do something else and, Honestly, I can't remember what that was (laughs) at this time, but, uh, you know, we're talking what, 15 years ago now, um, something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it it sounded cool too. It was, uh, artillery. So the MLRS rocket launch systems, um, basically I would be the communications for that, sending the coordinates and all that stuff. So it was kind of right up my alley.
0: Now, did you immediately take to the
1: military? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I did very well in basic. Um, I took my dad's advice and he, he said, just be a ghost, you know, just blend in with the crowd. You know, don't, don't let them learn your name, you know, because uh, then they'll just pick on you for the rest of the time in boot camp. So, uh, yeah, so I, I just kind of went along with it. Um, but I knew, I knew when I went in that I didn't want to be a lifer. I knew that it would just be kind of like doing my four years and getting out and joining the civilian world again.
0: So now, you know, I, I've talked to now probably over 500 people on this show. And a lot of us, when we get out, we struggle because like, for me, I wanted to be a lifer. I wanted to do 30. I only did 23, but you knew you were getting it and you knew four years I'm out of here did you start planning your, your release and how did that work out? You know, cause like every, you know, like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. So what was it like, you know, for you to getting out and what was your trans transitioning like?
1: So it, originally I thought I wanted to be a fireman, you know, so I, I, as when I was still in, I was, uh, exiting out, uh, at Fort Lewis, Washington. So while I was, I I think it was about six months before I got out, I started taking EMT courses and I went through that. And towards the end, I was like, you know, this isn't for for me. It's it's good to know early on. Right. So, I you know, I, I volunteered at the, uh, part of the, part of the courses you had to either do it, be a ride along as an EMT, or you had to work in a uh, ER, uh, for 12 hours or something like that. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, this this isn't for me because lifting patients and dealing with bodily fluids and, you know, things like that. uh, Yeah, it just wasn't for me. So um, I I decided, you know, I I took my certificate and did nothing with it. Um, But then, you know, I got out. I, I, uh, you know, started applying for jobs and stuff like that. Um, I ended up being a mailman for a while. I got uh, a job as a postman uh, delivering in Huntington beach, and that was a great job and everything. But then uh, another part of my story is I received a packet of orders in the mail. Um, I was in the inactive reserves at the time. So I was out for about a year before I got recalled to deploy to Iraq. So it was a huge blow. Cause I was a newlywed. Um, we had just gotten married uh, the year prior and, coming up on our first anniversary and here I bring home a packet of orders to have, having to deploy so we had to you know pack up my apartment and everything and then uh you know deploy <laughs> so you know,
0: did you deploy as uh, doing your job title or did they make you do something else when you got there
1: so it's funny how they how it worked it you know we had to go through um they had to you know, AIT, the advanced individual training, they had us do like a little refresher course. They flew us to uh, Oklahoma and uh, I don't know, it was kind of a joke, but um, you know, and then and then we mobilized in Mississippi and flew out from there. Um, they were telling us that we were doing, going to be doing our jobs there. But when we got there uh, we did nothing, <laughs> nothing that relates to our job. So yeah, I, I was uh, mainly doing uh, the base base security, convoy security. That's what my unit was in charge of while while we were there. So,
0: so you were there for what, about twelve months, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, did you go outside the wire, or did you get a lot of shit coming inside the wire?
1: Uh, both. Oh. Yeah. So so um, I was up in Mosul, the Mosul area, Diamondback um, uh, Camp, Mare- uh, Fabarez. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we got rocketed, mortared, um, you know, all hours of the day. And, you know, uh, before I was actually leaving the country, we had to, we were at the, the, uh, airport for 48 hours waiting for the special forces to go in there and, and take out some of the, uh, individuals who were launching RPGs onto the airfield. So that was my, my exit out of the country. I was, as we were wheels up, I was, you know, please don't get shot down. (laughs) Please don't get shot down kind of thing. But yeah, uh, it was an experience. Let's just say that.
0: So now what was it like coming back home? Like you said, newlywed family, man, and I'm sure that the man that got on that plane to go was not the same man that came home on that plane.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I spared my family, the details of what we did over there and, you know, the danger that we were really in. Um, I, I didn't fill them in on those details while I was there. I, I just told them that I was, you know, behind a desk, it, you know, protected by, you know, Ugandan soldiers and U S soldiers and, you know, I'm safe kind of thing. But, uh, my family noticed that something was different about me the day that I got home <clears throat> and my my brother was throwing the the football in the backyard and the the football hit this the sliding glass door and I jumped as if there was like an explosion you know so that's when I was like uh-oh you know maybe maybe not, it's maybe it's not business as usual you know so
0: so now Cause a lot of times, um, our wives, which my wife is my best friend, my, she's my bride, she's my everything. And she knew, she knows something was off after my injury. Um, and so, so she's like, listen, you know, you need to go get help. And for me, you know, it was due to a failed suicide attempt in 2012 that I started to get some help. So what was your, uh, well, first of all, I want to, before I get that way, um, I want to thank our sponsors. Like I said, I want to thank Warrior Council. You guys are amazing. Thank you for everything you guys do. Without the Warrior Council, I wouldn't be the man that I am. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So thank you guys. And also guys, if you love coffee, check out the brand new coffee we got out. Um, It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. If you guys missed that army mud, that's what it is. Twice the amount of caffeine, no no crash, an amazing taste. And 100% of the proceeds, go to help veterans struggling with homelessness and PTSD. So if you love good coffee with a great mission, write coffee down below and I'll get you the information. So now talk to us about your come to Jesus moment when you decide, all right, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I need help.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I just, I think it was, um, you know, I I was kind of over drinking. I was trying to escape, trying to, uh, you know, I don't know it. um, And it just sort of affected, you know, my relationship with my wife and, and things like that. And I just kind of had to decide, um, you know, do I love my family more, you know, do I love my family enough to say, Hey, you know, I need to get help. So that's, that's kind of when it when uh, I reached out for counseling and stuff like that. So. And
0: I've been going to the same counselor for 11, so I think everybody needs a therapist. But yeah. now, when you got back and, you know, because once you go outside the wire, you know, once you have been in a combat zone, it's pretty hard to go back to working a nine to five job, you know. So, and a lot of us, you know, like when we get out, we're like, we, we go to start our first nine to five job and we're like, everybody's They get in at nine, go to the water cooler, you know, at five o'clock, they're out the door and you're like, wait a minute, where are you guys going? We still got shit to do. Yeah. What what was your transitioning out the second time into the business world? What was that like?
1: So uh, after getting out of the military uh, the second time, I I decided to focus most of my energy on my uh, bachelor's degree that I was working on at the time. So I, I, uh, I, I believe it was about three years that I, that I was just unemployed, just focusing on my, uh, bachelor's degree. And then year four is when I got hired at a, uh, you know, corporate job working in the HR department. Um, and luckily at the time, my boss was a veteran. So, uh, she kind of understood me a little bit more. Um, so, Uh, you know, I'll never forget my, my first day, you know, we're, we're used to structure and everything. I let her know that I was going to go use the, you know, the restroom. (laughs) And she said, I don't need to know where you're at at all times. You you just never tell me that again, you know, just, just get up and go. (laughs) So this is a little fun story.
0: So now what, when did you get the entrepreneurial button? When did you get thinking, all right, you know what? I want to own my own business. What what was that thought process? Because I, I find a lot of guys and girls, including myself, you know, when we first get out of the military, you know, we want to be in business for ourselves. So we start a company, a hat company, t-shirt company, liquor, coffee. And then 10 months later, you know, we're ten thousand dollars in debt and don't know what the hell just happened. And a lot of it is because we didn't sit and talk to our significant other before we started the business and then when shit hit the fan then we had to have an even harder conversation so talk to us about when you got bit by the entrepreneurial bug
1: so i you know through talking to people and stuff before before choosing a major and stuff like that i was it was like you know people were saying that if you want a good job if you want to go into management you go to business school you know that's what you do and then you know, after getting the bachelor's degree, they—I heard—if you want to move up into management, upper upper management, you got to get the MBA. You know, so I was like, okay, I'll go get the MBA. But somewhere in between that process of going to business school, uh, it's it's kind of usual for for MBAs to get that inkling to start their own business. And and somewhere in between there, I want—I was like, I want to you know start my own business and. I I wanted to do it for years and, and then, uh, you know, I guess it was getting laid off during the pandemic that really did it. You know Uh, it's, it was kind of either I do it or I don't kind of situation.
0: Now we had our uh, warrior council uh, meeting today. We do every, every Thursday, which is great. It's a great mastermind. If you guys, if you guys want to love to be in a mastermind, definitely check it out. But we were talking about how, a lot of people go to school for business and, you know, they'll get their MBA. But the people that are teaching those courses never started a business, never had a business. So it was just theory. So what was it like? You, okay, you got your MBA, you're out into the business world. And then, you know, there's a difference between being, you know, book smart, street smart. So what was it like hitting the streets with an MBA? What were you like? And now what? What was that like?
1: Yeah, so like uh, I, I like to say is is uh, you know especially with MBAs is is that we have paralysis of analysis. Uh, we we overanalyze things and and I think that that kind of uh, stunts my growth as a you know for my business is you know I'm I'm just over analyzing everything and and that's you know before I started the business I I, I was like you you, you got to stop that. You, you got to either jump in the water or just, you know, keep going down corporate, the corporate ladder, you know, rabbit hole. So uh, I, I figured I was doing myself a favor by doing that.
0: <laughs> so, OK, because I was involved in a franchise for probably over 20 years and, you know, franchising. Like I had one of our board of council members. I just released his episode yesterday. His name is Joe Stewart and we all know him as the franchise guy. So if you need a franchise guy, definitely reach out to Joel Stewart. But franchising is not for everybody. For me, in the military, if, I, if, I, you, know, if you become part of a franchise, it's usually they have a great operating system. And for us, you know, we know how to follow in the standard operating procedures. So it's pretty much, it teaches you everything. And it doesn't really give you a whole lot of a wiggle room. So what made you decide to go the franchise route Instead of starting something on your own.
1: It's, uh, you know, I just didn't want to reinvent the wheel. You know, I I, uh, I wanted to get into something that had the systems and processes in place to ensure my success. You know, uh, the uh, I don't know the statistic, but, you know, businesses have a bad Uh, you know, statistic when it comes to failure and I wanted to give myself the the best chance of success that I could. Um, And that's why I chose property management Inc. uh, as my franchise, because they do have the systems and processes in place, you know, to, to make your, your chance at entrepreneurship, you know, successful. Um, Sort of like how every McDonald's has everything in place for you to get your, you know, McDonald's successful, your location, that's the same way with PMI.
0: And, you know, one thing I was, I was just going to, that's what, something I was just going to talk about. You know, McDonald's don't have the best hamburgers. Right. right? We all know that. They don't have the best hamburgers, but they have the best processes. And once you get with a company that can figure out the process, and then you will be successful if the processes are in place. But if you're a person that wants to do their own thing, and you know, one week do this, one week do that. Owning a franchise is not is not for you. So what was it like opening up a franchise and then you know in the middle of
1: COVID? What
0: was that like? What was that oh shit moment like?
1: Yeah, so um that, that was a big challenge for me. That my, my first year was was very tough because you know, um Uh, different parts of the country were, some of them were more locked down than others and, uh, you know, enforcements here and there, but California and especially in the LA, Orange County area was, was pretty closed down and, and uh, you know, the corporate office would just say, Hey, you know, just go to the real estate offices, introduce yourself, you know, uh, you know, to create referral partners and stuff like that. And my my first day doing that, I showed up with a box of donuts, and uh, the poor girl at the front desk was like, nope, no, nope, we 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 don't take any outdoor people. You know, you gotta set an appointment. Let us know ahead of time that you're coming. You know, things like that." So uh, it was it was difficult. And then and then you gotta you have meetings with homeowners, and you know s- some of them were you know, they didn't want to meet in person. They want to do over zoom and, you know, in, in the business, in business, it's just so much better, you know, face to face. And that's when you kind of close the deal. So it it was tough the first year, but uh, we're, we're finally, I think, turning that corner and, you know, hitting an inflection point for my business.
0: You know, but one thing which I'm really bred, glad, you know, that you pointed out that, you know, sometimes you have to pivot and whether that pivot is, Maybe through Zoom or whatever it is. Sometimes you got, you have to pivot in order to, to survive. And a lot of business owners, you know, for, they, they're taught, um, they have the old school mentality. Well, this is the way it always is. This is the way it's always going to be. And from, you know, from people that I've interviewed and talked to, some eight, seven, eight, nine figure earners, they say that if they hear that from a business owner, they're going out of business. Mm-hmm. You know, because like who would ever thought that Toys R Us would fail, Radio Shack would fail, is because they did not pivot. Right. So how did you go about, like you said, I mean, just tell us a little bit about how you stayed afloat that year, 18 months while COVID was going on. How would you pay the bills?
1: So, I, I was hoping that I would be able to pay the bills by just getting my first clients signed up and, and things like that. But, you know, I was doing, you know, uh, Uber delivery and, you know, just everything, you know, trying, trying to, uh, you know, any side gigs that I could pick up in order to, you know, fill in those gaps. Uh, but, yeah, I, I didn't uh, end up getting my first client for about the first uh, nine months or so.
0: Okay, so now, you know, we're looking at, you know, I'm in New Jersey. I think we have the same kind of governors. so I'm not going to talk about that. But uh, we were on lockdown for a while. But then th- then things started, you know, opening up a little bit. So obviously you had to be like, okay, it's time to put foot to ass now. We're starting to open up a little bit. Now I got to really put in a, double my work that I'm doing now. So what did you do when everything started open up? How did you start looking for customers?
1: So I was I was looking for struggling Airbnb hosts, uh, you know, on on the platform, uh, and and things like that. Uh, going to different events, uh, BNI groups, uh, you know, try just really trying to get myself out there and uh, hitting the pavement, going to different real estate offices that were open and and uh, things like that to you know, shake hands, get to know people, get to know people in the industry. And, you know, I I started getting uh, some referrals here and there from, from these people, Uh, you know, (laughs) thank God, you know, so, but yeah, that's, that's what I just had to do.
0: Now, did you have to start getting, you know, a little bit more active on social media? For me, like I knew that I'm real, I realized that everything is digital marketing now these days. Um, everything is in this little box that we're looking at right now. And if you do not become a part of that ecosystem, you're not going to be a part, you're not going to be around very long. So talk to us about how, how you have to start growing your business on social media too.
1: Yeah. So I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, all the above kind of thing. Um, and I, I do posts, uh, posts weekly posts here and there on, on uh, Facebook. And, um, I've also generated, uh, you know, business pages for my different properties and, and things like that so that I can show people, you know, that this is, this is, uh, you know, properties available for rental. So, you know, yeah. Uh, social media is huge. Uh, you know, as much as I don't like social media, I gotta be on it because, you know that's that's where business is you know
0: now how do you you know um because for me it seems like you know and i'm not, and I, you seem like a, a little bit more reserved kind of guy you don't seem to be like very animated out there pumped up so how is it cuz i i knew that when i first started out um i was that way but i had to learn how to you know go reach out talk to people get getting you know not, not getting people's faces but you know reach out shaking hands kissing babies so i'm sure that was a learning curve for you to realize if i'm going to stay in business i am the face of the business you know i am my brand so what was that like having to learn how to do that stuff
1: yeah it is a challenge you know i'm i'm uh, a bit more of a um you know uh i'm not i'm not as personal as of a person you know i i kind of stick to myself kind of uh but, uh, you know, I, I enjoy being indoors, so the lockdowns weren't so bad for me, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it's just something that it's going to be an ongoing thing for me, you know, a struggle, uh, just, you know, getting myself to get up and get out there kind of thing, just making the appointments for, for these events and putting them on my calendar and showing up and, you know, just not worrying about the rest, you know.
0: Now that's something I want to talk about because I believe that like Mr. James Clear wrote in his book, Atomic Habits, that, you know, 40% of what we do every day is just by habits. And if you want to be successful in life, you have to either you rule your calendar or your calendar will rule you. Now, like I said, I had Mr. David Meltzer on the other day. And he says, you know, there's a lot of people out there. They'll block out time for calling, you know, calls, meetings, but they don't block out time for their wife, their kids, grandma, you know, and they don't live a very happy life until they lose it all. So talk about, you know, how you build out your day and how you make time for your family also.
1: Yeah. So um, usually towards the end of the towards the end of the week, uh, or even on the weekend, sometimes I'll, I'll do my planning for the next week. Uh, and I'll, I'll cut out time for, you know, say if I'm planning on doing cold calls, I'll, you know, I'll block out those times for those, those, uh, you know, tax tasks, but I'll also, um, have pretty strict rules on my, my office hours, because if I don't, then, you know, the, the business will just overtake me and I won't spend any free you know, time with my kids or family and things like that. So uh, I got to keep those office hours in place.
0: You know, me too. I'm the same thing. Six o'clock PM. That's it. <clears throat> I put my phone away until the next day. So just tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do what you do and how do we find you and how can we support you and your mission?
1: All right. So, yeah, I, I uh, manage properties. I'm a property manager for uh, Property Management Inc. My local franchise is called PMI Sunny OC because it's always sunny and OC. And and I wanted to capture that as my, my brand, you know. So give, give people a reason to come here. You know, it's it's always sunny here. So, um, yeah, we, we manage uh, vacation rentals and 30-day-plus properties that are, you know, extended stay, 30 to 90 days, uh, fully furnished. And we we advertise our properties on Airbnb, Verbo, and you know many other online travel websites. Uh, you can find me at uh, PMISunnyOC.com. That's that's where my uh, website is. You know that's that's where you can find what I do and some information about myself, and my company. Um, and you know, Property Management Inc. is nationwide. Uh, with you know, th- it, we operate in residential, commercial. HOAs and vacation rentals. And, uh, you know, you, you could find, I think we have over 300 offices across the United States. So <clears throat> we're kind of a becoming a bigger player in the industry, uh, by acquisition and organic growth, you know? So, uh, you'll hear about us, you know, shortly, you know, we'll, we'll, we just keep expanding and and uh, getting more franchisees on board, but, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that team and, and, uh, we, we call it the PMI family. So
0: I love it. So talk to us, how did you get involved in the Vetrapreneur tribe and the warrior council?
1: So, um, I was, I was actually a member of BNI for quite a while and I, I ended up, uh, you know, visiting other chapters and, um, I came across a individual who invited me. Um, and I, I ended up, uh, <clears throat> I ended up, joining the Facebook group. And I was kind of just a lurker for quite a while, just kind of looking at the different posts here and there. And then somehow I, I found out that there was a warrior council and I wanted to poke into that a little bit more. And I ended up joining that too. So,
0: and how has that helped you in your business?
1: So I I've only been, I think to two meetings so far, I, I plan on attending more uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, just had a couple you know things in my schedule that I, I couldn't get uh, get around this these last couple of weeks, but um, you know so far it's it's kind of opening my eyes to you know how the veteran community can help my business, and and I hope I hope to find some you know some help and you know help others other businesses too. So
0: all right, so the last two questions I have, um, it's gonna be a two part question. You know we live in a crazy world. You know we still live in a COVID world. A lot of a lot of places are still shut down. Um, So there's still a lot of business owners driving for Uber, DoorDash, you know, just to keep the doors open. So if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it because we're so busy. Mm
1: -hmm. But if
0: I ask somebody that's watching us to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So I'm going to ask you a two prong question. If somebody is struggling with their business. What is something they can do in the next 24 hours to get help? And the second and the most important thing, if somebody's struggling with their mental health, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to get some help so they don't become a member of the 22?
1: Yeah, definitely. uh, That second question, Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask a brother for help. You know, reach out to, uh, you know, uh, a lot of us, you know, we we struggle but it's, it's like, and we don't want to talk about it. It's just part of our, our, you know, you know, upbringing and our time in the military. So I would definitely say, reach out to a brother or sister in arms, you know, and uh, you know, definitely have a conversation uh, whether by phone or, you know, you know, face to face or, or whatever, but uh, also definitely reach out to um, the VA and any of the veteran uh, centers out there that can help. So, I'm sorry. What was the first question again?
0: So, so, what can if somebody's struggling in business, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help? Uh,
1: so, I would say you know, figure out how many, how many no, how many no's does it take to get to a yes? So, if you're trying to sell, you know, you're trying to get your clients and uh, find out that metric how many no's it takes to get a yes. And then use that as your goal. You know, say uh, like what I do is I, I say I, I'm going to get my 15 no's for the day so that I can get that one. Yes. You know, you, you know,
0: as long as I've been doing this, that you're the first person that ever said that. So <laughs> I want to say thank you for that. I think that's, that's great. Um, great information. Cause you know, that's, it's all numbers. And like for me, I was in t- timeshare sales for a while, and I knew I had to I had to sit talk to enough people to get to my numbers. But a lot of people they don't really study their analytics. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. some if you and I think that's something you p- if you're in business, you really need to know your an- analytics. So I just want to say th- you know that's great great advice, brother. I just want to say thank you. Um, I know we were playing phone tag for a while, but I'm grateful that we got some time to spend together. And And I love everything you're doing. I can't wait to get out to California. I would love to come visit and hang out. And so, guys, if you're watching this and you want to take a vacation out to Cali for a while, stay for a month, two months, definitely check out my brother. He's got some amazing things going. If you guys are veterans and you want to start a business or you want to improve your business, check out the Warrior Council and, guys, if you love coffee, check out Vertical Momentum Coffee. So, guys, I just want to say thank you. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. And like my T-shirt says, today I decide. Um, all you have to do if you decide you want to change your life is make a decision and then act upon it. Brother, I want to say thank you, and I hope you have an amazing week.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Guys, And just remember that, like Oprah says, if you want to help yourself, help somebody else. All right, guys, remember vertical momentum. The only way to go is but up. I will catch you tomorrow.